Good morning. Uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us in our chapel down at our Minnetonka campus and online as well. Great to be with you all. Uh, we are continuing this morning in our series on emotionally healthy relationships. So I hope it's been challenging for you all and that you've all been able to intentionally invest uh, in your relationships in different ways the last few weeks. Uh, no, the band didn't leave these stools over here by accident. I'm going to use them. Uh, so this, this stool uh, right here uh, represents how we often think about the ideal human state, the ideal way to live, independent, self-sufficient, not needing anybody or ultimately anything. You know, and this has been uh, sort of the, the, the ideal hum, uh, human way of living that I've been the most drawn to throughout my life. There's something to me that uh, seems, I don't know, just strong or manly, I don't know, about just being independent, not really needing other people. Uh, and I remember that I held to this so strongly that before my wife and I were married, I actually told her that I didn't need her and couldn't really envision a time I would need her. Yeah, that went out, you know, went really well. Um, but this was something that I envisioned and something that I'm drawn towards. But scripture, science, and my wife all agree that this is not the ideal way to live as a human being. There's actually been a lot of studies done recently on loneliness. It's rapidly increasing, and uh, it's, almost, it's called often an epidemic of loneliness in our society. And there's even medical research that finds a strong correlation between the experience of loneliness and our health. For example, loneliness can increase blood pressure. It creates long-term negative effects in our cardiovascular health. It, it causes an increased sign of physiological aging. And of course, there's innumerable ways that it impacts our mental health. Now, according to the National Institute on Aging, the health risks of prolonged isolation are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Social isolation and loneliness uh, sorry, social isolation and loneliness have been estimated to shorten a person's lifespan by as much as 15 years. What's the point? Well, the point is we're not created to be alone. We're not created ultimately to be self-sufficient. The ideal human state doesn't look like this. Let me get my other stools over here. It looks... Like this, we are wired for relationship. We need connection, and when we don't have relationships, we suffer as human beings. It's proven, it's indisputable. Now, what's mind-bending is that the biblical conception of God is relational too. God is one in three persons. We call this the Trinity, Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit. Now, this is a very complex and sort of mind-bending idea, but what I want us to pull from it this morning is just to see that at the core of God's being, so the creator of the universe, the, the ground of all reality, is perfect relationship. It's connection. It's relational. And the Bible teaches us that we are made in God's image. We're created by God to be like God. And so we're created to be relational too. We need people. We aren't created to be on our own or even just to be, hey, me and God. No, it's me and God and other relationships. And this is why as Christians, we should care so much about the health and wholeness of our relational connections. You know, John's gospel uh, in particular makes this connection between God's relational nature, uh, the, the perfect relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the application of that into our relationships and our community and our uh, ways that we connect with other people. Before Jesus' uh, crucifixion, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying, and he's praying for his followers, but then he also prays for everyone who's going to come to believe and follow him, so for all of us. And this is what Jesus prays. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Now, if you've been a part of Christian communities uh, for any length of time in your life, you're probably familiar uh, with ways that we often talk about God's purpose for our lives. God has a purpose for you. But I think one of the most overlooked and misunderstood ways of talking about God's purpose is this. God's desire for you and for me is that we would participate and experience the kind of relational life and love that he experiences in himself. That's what Jesus' prayer is in the garden. That we would know the love that he knows from the Father and that that love would impact our relationships with, with one another so that we would be unified as Jesus and the Father would be unified. God created us to participate in his relationship of love and goodness. It's that community. See, just in a similar way, we are all unique individuals. We have different interests. We have different talents, different personalities. But we are wired to experience unified, close, intimate Relationships. This is God's purpose in creation. 
It's why he made you and me, so that we could share in his life of love and goodness and mutuality. So it's not just me alone, self-sufficient. It's not just me and God. No, it's me and God and other people. May they be unified. May they be one as you and I are one. This is so beautiful. Jesus wants us to experience what he has known for all of eternity. He wants us to know the wholeness, the goodness, and the beauty of a life that is connected and relational and communal. It's what we're designed for. And it's why, again, we as Christians should care about establishing emotionally healthy relationships. You see, God represented as perfect community, as this relationship of love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can help us understand that we aren't designed to be lonely. That this isn't something that God wants for us or intends for us. He doesn't want us to be completely independent. And I believe that by seeing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we can find direction and purpose in our relationships and life. But actually, by seeing the communal nature of God, we can actually find the antidote to loneliness. Statistically, many of us in this room are experiencing loneliness. You feel alone, misunderstood. And even if you're not lonely, I I would guess that the majority of us want to have more meaningful relationships. We want to feel more connected. We want our relationships to be more significant than they are. And I believe that God is inviting us to take two steps, that he's revealing in his very nature, two steps that we can take to move in that direction towards whole and complete and meaningful connection. So the first step is this, to reveal what is true. Now, today uh, happens to be my wife and I's seven-year anniversary. Yep. Thank you. That's why I'm talking about her a lot, you know. She's on my mind. I'm very thankful for her, uh, thankful for our marriage. One thing that I've been learning from her the last seven years and continuing to learn is that I have emotions. I know. It's a big deal. And not only that, it's okay for me to be aware of them and to express them. You know, Pastor Zach talked in this series a couple of weeks ago uh, about this, that how important it is for us to be aware of what's going on below the surface. But there's a second step that's necessary with that. We can't just be aware. We actually have to reveal what's true and what's going on with the people in our lives. We have to communicate what's actually real about our thoughts and our emotions. And we actually see God taking this very step himself. Again, back to John's gospel, this is how he puts it. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, that's Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. You see that picked up in Jesus' prayer in John 17. And then it says, he has revealed God to us. Now again, God is perfect relationship. The Father knows the Son. The Son knows the Spirit. The Spirit knows the Father and and so on and so forth. What they share together is a love and a unity 
that is beyond really even imagination. But what's astounding is that the Bible says that this God, the creator of the universe, created us because he wants to be known by us. And he wants to know us. He wants to establish a relationship with us. And the way you do that, the way God knows he has to do that is by revealing himself. And like God, when we want real, deep, connected relationships, we need to make ourselves known to the people in our lives. We need to reveal what is true. And that's how we move away from loneliness, that state that we aren't ultimately created for. You know, I think that, that loneliness and social isolation are often equated, but they're actually not the same thing. So, social isolation is the lack of social contacts and having few people to interact with regularly. We all experienced that during the pandemic. Loneliness is the feeling of being alone, regardless of the amount of social contacts. So according to this, it's possible to have somewhat of this experience of, well, I'm in relationship, I have family, I have friends, I have some social connections, but I feel alone. Have you ever uh, been in a crowd and yet still felt lonely? Maybe that's ex your experience here at church. It's very possible that you can be here surrounded by people and yet feel like nobody knows you. There's probably various reasons for this, but one major one is this. The reason why we don't feel connected to the people in our lives is because we aren't showing up as our true self. The reason why we don't feel connected and known by the people in our lives is because we aren't showing up as our true self. We don't really want people to know everything about us, do we? There's things that we would rather hide, ways that we'd rather sort of put on a facade, efforts that we, we give in our lives to pretend to be somebody that we want to be instead of the person that we actually are. And we see this play out most dramatically on social media. I have some statistics here about how many people are on different platforms. There's 330 million of us on Twitter, 800 million on TikTok, 1 billion on Instagram, and 2 point billion people on Facebook. Now again, these are social media platforms, so in some ways they simulate this, some, some sort of connection, some sort of relationship. But they all have one thing in common, a detrimental characteristic. It's that they encourage selective revelation. And what I mean by that is uh, that uh, we only display things about us that we want people to be able to see. I have a, a couple of pictures just to illustrate that. This is Instagram where you share pictures uh, about, with, about your life with your friends or family. So here, this is what's shared on uh, social media. So he's exercising. You know, that's a good thing like Josh was talking about going, you know, uh, exercising. So there's a, a bike going down the road, but the reality is very different than the picture. Let's see another one. Well, this person, I don't know why they put ornaments on their bed, but that's what they do, and they must be, you know, studying or my workspace. But the reality is it's very, very messy. One more. Someone doing this 
amazing feat of strength and balance, uh, but of course, the reality is much different. Now, we see the, the extreme version of this play out on social media, but the act of putting on a facade or pretending to be somebody we're not is not a new phenomenon. It has uh, existed long before the creation of the internet. We do it all the time. We spend a lot of energy and effort making ourselves presentable because we want to be accepted. We want to experience relationship. And so we sort through our lives thinking about what, what, are, the, what are going to be the aspects that are most likable, that people are going to want to hang out with us. Where, how, how can we fit in? How can we belong? But out of this desire to be included, out of this desire to be accepted or celebrated, we become selective. And we choose what we think are the most acceptable parts of ourselves, and we show those, we reveal those to people, and then we hide the rest. And we pretend to be someone we're not. We exchange our preferences for someone else's just to belong. And when we do this, notice what happens. There are major parts of ourself, of ourselves, that never are known, that are never loved, that are never actually in relationship. And so no wonder we can have all sorts of connections and relationships and yet still feel lonely. The only way to eradicate loneliness and to have the kind of meaningful, connected, loving relationships that God has purposed us to have is by revealing who we truly are. So I just want you to take a moment and just assess some of your relationships. Where is there a relationship where you just feel disconnected? You know, somewhere where you know, you, you want to, to feel like there's a stronger, more meaningful connection, but there's not. And then ask yourself, is there something you're not revealing to them? What facade are you holding up? What conversation are you avoiding? How are you taking yourself out of the relationship? Now, of course... The risk in being vulnerable and revealing those things that we would rather not is that we might get rejected and then feel even more alone than before. The things we hide and, and cover up or the, the ways that we pretend or put on a facade, we do that for a reason because we think that that's what's going to lead to acceptance and love. So it's normal to fear what might happen if we revealed the truth. And Jesus experienced the weight of this risk. He made himself vulnerable out of his goal of revealing himself to us. And as a result, he was rejected by all of his friends. He was scorned and he was ultimately crucified. John's gospel puts it like this. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But Jesus thought it was worth it. Jesus' act of vulnerable sacrifice is the only way to create authentic, real relationship with God where we can be reconciled to him. And the same is true for us. So no matter how 
much it feels like a risk. We can't have the kind of relationships that God wants us to have without vulnerability, without revealing what's true. That's a really scary thing to do. And I think that's part of why the gospel is so powerful. Because God is the one that, ha- that knows everything about us. He's seen everything. He knows everything there is to know about who we are. And he deemed that we were worth dying for and being in relationship with. And I think that as we grasp the forgiveness and acceptance that we see in the cross, as we root our ultimate value in God's love for us, I think that it can free us to put down those facades and to take risks in our own relationships by being vulnerable and revealing what is true. But the first step, that's the first step we need to take. If we want God's purpose to be actualized in our life, the purpose of participating in his life and the kind of relationships that mirror his love, we need to reveal what is true. Now, in general, I think that our society has gotten better at this over time. We've learned uh, the importance of emotional and mental health and how essential it is to be authentic and real, that we shouldn't stuff things deep down or just cater to the whims and wishes of other people uh, just to get along. But the danger, and what I see happening all the time, is that we just stop with that first step of revealing what is true. And in so doing, we end up embracing and celebrating parts of ourselves that aren't good and are actually the very cause of the emotional unhealthiness to begin with. So yes, we have to reveal what is true, but we also need to be open to change. Let's turn again to Jesus' prayer in John 17. Jesus prays, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Now, holiness gets a a really bad rap for being a boring, disconnected, bland, or overly rigid way of living. But at its core, being holy just means to be like God. God says, be holy as I am holy. And when we see that God is perfect relationship, that within God, the Father, Son, and Spirit share this life of love and connectedness, we can begin to see that holiness actually has a relational dimension. Holiness is about truly prioritizing other people. It's about loving and honoring people in our lives. It's about showing kindness and pursuing goodness. Holiness is actually a way of life that leads to human flourishing because we're living as we're created to live. We're valuing others and ourselves to the utmost. We're aligning our lives with God and with the way that he's intended us to live. The reality is that we all have some attitudes, some behaviors, and even thoughts that aren't holy They aren't in line with who we're supposed to be. Now, another way of saying that is that, on one hand, there's a way of living and relating that leads to emotional 
emotionally healthy relationships. And on the other hand, there's ways of living and relating, relating that lead to unhealthy relationships. That's just a reality. And so we can't just reveal what is true and then accept it all because we'll continue to keep living in those same damaging patterns. We need to be open to change. Now, have you ever heard uh, someone use the phrase, I'm only human? Yeah, we use it all the time. Now, have you ever heard someone justify a good trait or behavior with that phrase? No. I mean, no one, you, don't, you don't see somebody who is just being really kind and uh, generous, and you come to them and be like, hey, I just love your heart. You're so thoughtful, and I just want you to know I really appreciate that. And they go, yeah, I'm only human. No, we don't do that. We don't say that. Although our society, in large part, is doing a better job at being more authentic and revealing what is true, we're failing to become truly emotionally healthy because we're identifying our humanity with our failures, our weaknesses, and our destructive relational tendencies. And so we're just accepting it as the status quo instead of being open to change and allowing God to heal us and actually remove those traits from us. I have a little list of, of traits or sort of attitudes. Uh, obviously, this isn't you know, an expansive list, but these are uh, things that lead to emotionally unhealthy relationships. Objectification, shame, insecurity, resentment, jealousy, pride. Now, as we look at these, what I want us to see is the behaviors and the relational patterns that are produced from these things. So, for example, if we objectify people, we might exploit them or take advantage of them. If we're ashamed, we might hide parts of ourselves or even tell lies. If we're insecure, we're going to pretend to be someone that we're not. If we're resentful, we might seek to hurt those that have hurt us. If we're jealous, we might steal or cheat to get what we want. If we're prideful, we might start putting others down, devaluing them in order to feel better about ourselves. You get the idea. Now, what I want us to see is that these characteristics, these attitudes are not what make us human. This is not what we should be identifying with. In fact, it's the opposite. These are dehumanizing. This is what makes us less than human. Makes us animalistic. This is what degrades and corrupts our sense of self. It's what lowers our estimation of our own value and it negatively impacts our relationships. So whether it's just bad attitudes in general, stubbornness, anxiety, sarcasm, having a critical spirit, you name it, we are too quick to just say, well, oh well, that's just me. And then we just say, accept it, and you have to accept it, and we're just going to continue to live on. Again, if we do this, and we do it far too often, we're just choosing to embrace attitudes and behaviors that will only continue to toxify and destroy our relationships. And therefore, we're going to miss out on God's purpose for us, which is to experience the kind of community that is whole and healthy. So we need to both reveal what is true, including those parts of us that are sinful, 
and destructive. And at the same time, we need to be open to change. We need both to become emotionally healthy. God loves us as we are, but he doesn't want to leave us as we are. The goal isn't just to become more comfortable with the worst parts of yourself. God is in the business of transformation, so we need to be open to change. John 17, 3, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Now, eternal life, when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's not just talking about its duration, like you're going to live forever. It's also talking about a certain kind of life. It would be equivalent to saying something like the life of God or God's way of living, the eternal life. God is the only one that exists for all of eternity, so it's God's way of life. God's way of living and relating. God is relational. We've established that God is love. God is other-centered. His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, distinct but unified, holy, healthy, and whole. And we are created, we are purposed to experience that same kind of life and love that God experiences in himself, to have relationships that are holy, that are healthy and whole. We aren't created to be alone, but many of us are. Many of us are lonely, even when we have social connections. And so we have to be willing to follow God's lead and his pattern by creating relationships by revealing what is true. That might look like being more assertive if you tend to be passive. It might mean confessing to ways you've hurt or wronged someone in your life. It might be revealing sin or secrets in your life that you've kept hidden. But we cannot fulfill God's purpose for our life and experience what he wants us to experience if we lie, if we put on a facade, or we pretend to be someone we're not. We need to reveal what is true. But we also can't stop there, or we're just going to end up embracing our destructive tendencies and fail to actually become emotionally healthy. We have to be open to change. And this isn't something that we need to do on our own. This is why I envision a church community where we feel like we can actually be real with one another. That's why small groups are so important. That we don't need to put our church face on all the time. Or feel like we always need to hide behind different facades. But we also don't need to, to do it alone in the sense that God has promised us the Holy Spirit. God's presence with us that comforts us, convicts us, teaches us, and transforms us it's ultimately because we have this invitation to participate in the life of God that we have any hope at all that we can change individually and that our relationships can change. And there's hope. There is hope. No matter how broken your relationships, no matter how lonely you feel, there is hope in the life of God and in the death and resurrection of Jesus so we need to learn to reveal what is true and be open to change. And I think that as we do this, we'll begin to experience less loneliness 
greater connection, we'll feel more known by the people in our lives, and we'll start having eternal life right now. The kind of life that God ultimately wants us to have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that you have loved us at our worst, that you have seen us, that you know us, and yet you still deem us worth being in relationship. We ask that by the power of your spirit that you help us be rooted and grounded in that love so that we can begin to invest in our relationships so that they become a mirror reflection of your love and life. And we ask that you do that in us, you do that in your church. In Jesus' name, amen.